for you, the podcast celebrating the late bloomers and trailblazers of all walks of life. I'm Red. I'm Kelly. Woohoo! And Kelly, I mean, it's sad, but we're officially out of spooky season. Uh, don't tell and me that, Red. I'm still in I denial. Know. I, I had know. such a great ending to the month. Finally, things <laughs> were like, we went to some like crazy spooky clown house in Burbank. <laughs> it was insane. Like That I'm sounds sure like my like, nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not actually scared of clowns, but there's something about like where you're deliberately being a horror clown. No. Yeah. No, no. It, we'll have posted it. You guys will have seen it. We'll post, we have, we posted it for Halloween by this point, but this guy took it to the next level with like hiring actors and shit. Like, really top notch. I wonder how his neighbors felt about that. Oh, <laughs> he does uh, it every year. Well, they must be used to it by now then. They're used to it. They're used to it. So that was good. But I'm sure what people weren't used to is Sean has this run club. LA Cinephile Run Club, if you want to oh, follow yeah. it. Oh, yeah. You've talked yeah. about this before. Yeah. And we did the um, Haddonfield like, Halloween run. And it was like his largest attended run yet. Like We did all the Halloween locations and like the famous shrub that Michael Myers comes out of. And somebody I saw that photo. Michael. That was very yeah, funny. So that was a lot of fun. And like we actually did um, also, obviously, Michael Myers' house and all the other supporting houses in the famous stoop where she sits waiting for her friend but we also stopped at peewee's house which was so sweet Aww. it's right near there yeah so that was really fun. so weird to think that michael myers and peewee herman were in the same neighborhood <laughs> yeah isn't it crazy i didn't realize they were so close um, and then I'll have talked about it in my own episode, but I went to Arches National Park with my dad. The best time ever. Um, I'm so glad I finally got to see it. It's gorgeous, Red. You got to go sometime. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't like, wait to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah. But... I'll give you the more down, though. But I'm thankful yeah. that we're in November. We're almost out of this miserable year. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, speaking of, I actually wrote about this recently in my Substack, but now is normally the time when most people are thinking about Thanksgiving, you know, that upcoming holiday in the U.S. because in Canada, actually, Thanksgiving comes in October. It's a little weird where basically, I mean, personally, I love the fact that I get two Thanksgivings because I get twice the yeah. meals. Oh, yeah. So Best good. holiday besides Halloween. Honestly, agree. A hundred percent. And it's that time where you're thinking about the things that you're grateful for. I have the big upcoming move for me happening basically Thanksgiving. You're and... like how many weeks away now? Like four, oh, five? Uh, no, I mean, from when this episode goes up, it should be two or three more weeks that I take oh, off. Oh my God. I know. Right, I have anxiety I... for you. Oh, tell me about it. Like, I mean, granted, don't get me wrong. I'm so excited, but it is like a big change. And I always get a little nervous before a big change. It's not that I haven't left the country before or anything like that, but it's just, this is the one where I'm like, I don't know if I'm coming back. Honestly, don't. It's miserable here. (laughs) Stay up there and I can visit you. Exactly. (laughs) And of course, like the timing of things where it's like, oh, now there's people coming into my life that I'm like, oh, I would like to hang out more and see more. And no. That's how it always works though, right? Whenever you're, you know, not paying them any mind, that's when they come back in. Yeah, there's this... I mean, it's still the same person that I think we've talked about on a couple episodes that I've been yep. seeing, even though we know I'm leaving the country, still enjoying Exploration. And also, I did a, you know, shoot my shot. Never had that actually happen <gasps> oh successfully where Wait, somebody responds. Right. Yeah. And suddenly, 
having a conversation with probably one of my favorite podcast hosts. And I'm just like, what is happening? Then I panicked and I was like, I don't know what to do now. And it was just a very nice brief interaction. But that was... That was yeah. cool, though. I was so no, excited. It was. I couldn't, couldn't believe it actually worked. <laughs> hear, uh, hear that, people? You shoot your shot. Yeah, yeah, shoot your shot. Always shoot your shot. Again, terrible timing. About to leave the yeah. country. What yeah. am I thinking? What am I doing? I, I just I mean... never thought that anyone would respond. <laughs> People so... will respond. If you tag them, make <laughs> enough noise. Them, will. <laughs> and you're a pretty pinup. I mean, of course, they're gonna, you know. Well, I mean, there is that. But at the same time, I'm still the nerd who loves her historical stories, you know. Even better. Uh, you're multifaceted. Well... Well, your beauty you that, but... and your brain red you're the whole package <laughs> and yet still single <laughs> and still single well you have to be now before you meet your hockey player Come oh my now. gosh i am right. making this happen i am manifesting this for you this better fucking happen <laughs> <laughs> for me red i need this I need Thank this. You. I'm so glad that my dating life is for you. <laughs> yes, it's for me and my entertainment only, Red. That is all you can do is entertain me. Well, are you not entertained with these stories otherwise? Oh, absolutely. Fucking lutely I am. I'm like, <laughs> I remember those days back in my day and how miserable it was, but like how... You're going to like look back and be like, that was fun. Even though like some of these things have been happening and the timing couldn't be worse. I'm still grateful having these connections, even if they're only for a brief amount of time. It means a lot to me. So I'd rather have the experience and go through this and get to say like, at least I got to know someone, you know, rather than the what if. Because again, wherever you go, you're going to build these different connections and things like that. Whether it's Thanksgiving in Canada or Thanksgiving in the U.S., finding that time to connect with people that I think is really important. So what is the breakdown? Like which which Thanksgiving do you like better? Are there different like <laughs> rituals and like habits and foods or is it the same? Like break it down for me. It's wildly similar. <laughs> okay. Okay. So nothing crazy. Okay. I was wondering. No, it really isn't. Canadian Thanksgiving happens the second Monday of October. So typically it falls on Columbus Day weekend. It's Indigenous People's Day, Red. Well, yes. But I always used to say, hey, if you don't like Christopher Columbus, celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving instead. Perfect. Which, Better. <laughs> the other thing that unfortunately is so in common between both countries is that unfortunately there's been some horrible treatment of their <sighs> indigenous people in both you countries. Don't say. You don't, you don't say. say. I do say, and I do say it's also very unfortunate that this happened. We also have similar things of like, we have the Trail of Tears and there's the Highway of Tears. We both had schools that were dedicated to taking children away from their families and trying to reform them into a more culturally bland kind of identity because they didn't want people. Exactly. And I was thinking a lot about all of that. I've been doing my ghost tours and talking a lot about the history. I try and bring up the history of the Native Americans in Rhode Island in particular a lot because without them, we wouldn't have Rhode Island. And so that actually brings me to my person today, surprisingly enough. Segway woman! Oh, I try, I try. It was a little awkward. You were like, where's she going with this? Where's no, she going? I got where you were going with this. I was like, ah! Yeah, we're talking about Thanksgiving and hometowns and the relationship to the Native Americans. I actually thought I'd focus today on a Rhode Island legend. They are a part of the Native American group in Rhode Island and a legend in his own right. And it's historical, so you know. Of course. Uh, yeah. It would not be a red episode without it. 
Exactly. So we're actually going to focus on Elson Meyer's Tarzan Brown. Tarzan? Mm-hmm. Wait, like, as in the Tarzan? Not exactly, but it okay. does tie in. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay. So, I'm ready. I'm excited. Obviously, I do historical stories a lot, and it's no different today. But we're actually going to go a little meta, because Ooh. I wanted to first talk about Tarzan's heritage before we go into him specifically. So basically, we're doing a historical story within a historical story. <laughs> wow, you really had to do yourself, Red. And I love I mean, I had stuff. to. I had you to. You really stepped it up. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. I'm ready. I'm excited. This, all I right, love meta All right. So we're going to go really far back because we're going back to even before Rhode Island itself was founded in 1636. Oh my god, you're going way back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Holy shit. And okay. basically there were a few tribes in Rhode Island, but the one that ties directly into Tarzan are the Narragansetts. We in Rhode Island recognize the name Narragansett because we use the Algonquin word. That's the language that the tribe spoke. We named our bay, one of our most popular summer towns slash beaches. If you've ever been to Narragansett Beach, it's like the most popular beach probably. It's a private town beach, so the food scene is amazing there. Basically, out side of Rhode Island, probably what most people recognize Narragansett is the Narragansett Brewing Company mm-hmm. with the beer Narragansett. That'll, That'll get some mm-hmm. <laughs> eyes on it. Oh yeah. yeah. And it had the slogan, hi neighbor, have a Gansett. That was like <laughs> a big thing. I mean, I bring those up, but that's like modernly how often we hear the name and people would probably otherwise not recognize the name Narragansett, but it was based on the tribe that was here. And it was key in helping found the state because they were the ones who actually gave the land to our founder, Roger Williams to help found the colony that would become Rhode Island. So really, it was because of them that we have Rhode Island today. Mm. But unfortunately, because we're talking about Native American relations and things Uh. like that, the tribe would suffer a massive blow in 1675 during King Philip's War, which was this massive armed conflict between the New England colonies versus the New England indigenous people. Mm. And while it was mainly a different group, the Wampanoags, who came into conflict, basically because the colonists kept violating their peace treaties, the Narragansetts were actually officially neutral in the conflict. Switzerland, baby. But, I mean, they, they didn't want to take either side because, again, oftentimes it was more the Wampanoags who came into conflict were attacks against them and things like that. And they weren't responding at first because they were like, okay, this is frustrating, but we have this treaty. We have to honor it. However, then they decided not to anymore. And some of the Narragansetts, not the tribe in and of itself officially, but some of the people did participate in some of the raids because from what I read, they had a strong kinship with the Wampanoags. It was kind of this thing where it's like, okay, we are a different tribe, but we understand what you're going through. Yeah, like same principles. Right. We're talking the New England area before we mapped everything out. So it's all a similar area. Basically, the colonial leaders decided that because some of them were making violations, that meant all the Narragansetts were in violation, (sighs) which bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But anyways, so it all came to a head with the Great Swamp Fight or what should probably be better known as the Great Swamp Massacre. Oh boy. It was basically an incredibly cold and stormy day on December 19th, 1675. And the colonial militia came down to the Narragansett encampment and they were able to cross the natural moat there because it was so cold it had frozen over. So like that's how cold we're talking. Oh my God. So they then attacked the fort of the Narragansetts. And I say it's a massacre because while at least 97 Narragansett warriors were killed, an estimated 300 to 1,000 non-combatants basically 
women and children were killed. Ugh. Oh my right. god. Just and in the, the numbers, crossfire? Yeah, basically they like stormed this encampment where yeah. they all were. They're defenseless. And again, we do have guns during this time. The numbers actually were even higher when you account for those who did survive, escaping into the nearby swamp where the injuries combined with the frozen conditions killed even more people. Jesus. Yeah, historians have called it one of the most brutal and lopsided military encounters in all of New England's history. I bet. Because it just was, yeah, completely How can you one-sided. Top that? Despite the horrific massacre that the Narragansetts would barely survive, the tribe is actually still in existence today and was finally recognized federally in 1983, which honestly is a little late. That's like, so late. Right? Whoa. So, but they survived Why? for that long, like, and not barely getting by, but in the sense of like, you know, they're not getting the re- resources that they need as a tribe from like the government and things like that they never really fully recovered from the massacre so they're dwindling numbers and yet they still managed to have enough of a presence that finally hundreds of years later they're able to be recognized honestly i think it's that strength that is what keeps them fighting on despite the centuries of persecution and enslavement and so much more and i'm sad i know but we're gonna pick things back up because it brings me to one of the descendants of what was estimated to be only 300 surviving Narragansetts from that battle. Whoa. And that brings us to, as I said, Elson Myers, Tarzan Brown. Love. He's all of us. Love him already. <laughs> he is resilient. He is uh, what we want to be. Elson Myers Brown was born on September 22nd, 1913 in Westerly, Rhode Island, where actually some of my relatives are currently listening. What up, or living. Red's Sorry. relatives? <laughs> His parents were both Narragansett descendants, Byron Otis Brown and Grace Ethel Babcock Brown. Babcock was her maiden name. He was one of seven children, having three sisters and three brothers. However, because again, we're talking 1913 and conditions aren't that great, it wasn't uncommon for this to happen, but the family was incredibly poor. And they reportedly lived in a small two-room ramshackle hut, which led to them being outside a lot. While he was given the traditional Narragansett name of Deerfoot, which would definitely tie into his life later on, he was a very active child. Definitely a bit of a troublemaker. Love it. At the age of nine, reportedly, he was often chased by relatives out in the yard and down the street in only his underwear. He was always running, but also swimming and used to dive from the trees into the water. And honestly, he was also known for very quickly being able to swing from branch to branch. So when people saw him doing all these antics, they associated him with a very popular silent film franchise that started in 1918, Tarzan. Started in 1918? Why did I think it was like later? Oh, wow. No, I mean, well, the ones with sound, yes. But yeah, 1918 is when the first Tarzan movie was made and it was a silent film. They would have him swinging from the trees, constantly outside, running around, and basically comparing him to it. For the rest of his life, that is why he became known as Tarzan Brown. Oh. Yeah, so some film tie-in, surprisingly. Now, he would attend school in a one-room schoolhouse, but by the age of 12, he would end up leaving school and started working as a manual laborer at Woods River Junction Railroad and basically would start learning stonemasonry from his father. And this was considered a Narragansett tradition. The stone fences that actually you see like all over Rhode Island are kind of associated to the Narragansetts. And I actually grew up with one of those stone fences around my house. Oh, maybe he built it for you. 
honestly like some of his work is still standing because they would do all this i mean it's crazy to think too like a 12 year old right 12 year old that's crazy yeah he wouldn't go beyond a seventh grade education and that was common back then though yeah they needed them for labor right i mean this is before child labor laws so yeah yeah. before child labor Uh also at that same age of 12 he proved to be not just any runner but an incredible distance runner oh hey i see you yeah there we go i knew he would be like wait a minute so what is he running here's the thing so some say that it was his uncle or maybe it was just another tribesman but basically a very good narragansett runner who also may have become the chief of the tribe for a brief period of time his name was horatio bunk stanton he was meeting with his manager because he was that good of a runner thomas tippy salamino bunk was basically running 20 miles to meet up with his coach but when he got there he was in shock he told tippy that some young kid had been following him the entire way 20 miles and sure enough 10 minutes later here comes tarzan tired but still jogging at 12 years old just jogging along with this grown-ass man basically almost keeping pace with him i mean i know 10 minutes is quite a difference but a 12 year old gotta say (laughs) good actually for a grown man and then 12 year old 10 minutes for 20 miles is really good holy shit. right Whoa. so tippy was also stunned and told him that listen i can't train you now you're 12 but come <laughs> back when you're 16 and he said he'd help him manage his career which is exactly what happened wow. by the time he was 18 in 1931 he would start entering and winning races all over new england and some of these races were like 40 miles away so even before participating he would walk that distance because he had no car and he would still win he would walk 40 miles before the race Mm -hmm. and then like i mean i feel like this is really getting into like some grandpa language of i used to walk 20 miles (laughs) you know so here's this guy he's 18 and he's walking 40 miles fuck that's an ultra marathon Damn. Right. <laughs> okay. All right, Tarzan. And no no car, I get it, but still, there's gotta be an easier way. Take a train. Right. Here's the other thing. He had a crazy style of running because as much as he had his trainer, he apparently didn't really like to listen to how to train properly. So what he would do is literally just run as fast as possible for as long as possible like i just imagine he's like the terminator just like with the arms full sprint. Just like that's what i'm picturing full sprint. and i'm like what the heck but he had this crazy stamina so he would actually go really far before he would slow down to a jog which would give him this distance between the other runners and him was he doing like fast sprint runs or was he doing like marathon races or was it just he was ride? doing marathons and that's actually oh gonna come up just in a moment because oh, okay. the local press would call him chief crazy horse because of the way he ran <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a little uh, as you can imagine a little yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I can understand why you would look at him and be like, that guy is crazy. (laughs) Uh, yeah? Damn. So that's when he set his sights on one of the biggest races that you could do, and that would be the Boston Marathon. No big deal. No big deal. For those who don't know, that's the, like, 
gold standard. Like I still, that's my biggest goal is to qualify. It is the hardest thing to qualify for. It, it is, is the like, hardest thing. Yeah, and so I mean, hard. it's not only one of the biggest and oldest races that you can still participate in. I mean, I looked back on it and it started in 1897. I'm like, that's yep. how old this is. And yep. I mean, all right, you know me, I'm not a runner and I personally nope. think marathons are crazy. They're dumb. I mean, oh, they are. I agree. <laughs> You're not I wrong. Mean, I'm They're sorry, dumb. but the whole marathon started in remembrance of someone who ran that distance and yeah. he died. He died at the end of it. And we're like, let's all do the same let's thing. I'm like, that's for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks. That is not no, for me. I don't recommend it ever. Honestly, don't be crazy like me. Don't. It's not fun. <laughs> Save yourself. So Ooh. he would run the Boston Marathon for the first time in 1933. So he's like 20. Oh my god! And he placed 32nd. What? Which it's incredible That's for a first incredible. time. Incredible. What was his time? Do you know? I don't know that one. Okay. Because okay. he wasn't done. He Wait, would what? participate again in 1935. Now, the really sad thing was that two days before the race... His mother, who always supported him and his wild ways, passed away. Aww. Two days. But one of her last wishes was that he would run the race. So he actually showed up in an outfit made out of one of her dresses. Like, that's so sweet. I want to like cry. Oh. And then despite his shoes falling apart after 20 miles, he not only finished in 13th place, Whoa. but he did it barefoot. Whoa. It's not like a gimmick that he was doing. Like he, his shoes yeah, fell like apart. Yeah, they do so now. Like, all right, well, I'm just going to go. <laughs> barefoot? Barefoot. I, I don't understand the barefoot running thing. It's a thing. And it's a I, thing. And I don't, I mean, I don't get the I, running thing. So I, I don't think the barefoot makes a it, difference. Red. Us runners are crazy. We're running away from something. <laughs> That's why we do it. Yep. And I, yeah. I don't I run don't. unless I'm chased. Exactly. That was me too. <laughs> 13. Holy crap. Yeah, but he wasn't ready to stop running it until he won. Of course. So he was still running other races. And in fact, he went on to win back-to-back marathons in New York and New Hampshire in 1936. And I mean back-to-back. He hitchhiked overnight to get to the next race. Wait, literally the next day? The next day. Stop. And he actually Uh, doubled a... He suffered a double hernia because of it. You think, like I, for context, I ran the Ventura Marathon and then ran the LA Marathon three weeks later and my body still wasn't ready. Okay. Yep. So (laughs) the day after. The uh -uh. day after. And after spending overnight hitchhiking to get there, which I can imagine you don't really sleep. No. Oh my God. This is crazy. Again, though. He wanted the Boston Marathon win. So that same year, he participated again. Of course. Apparently, he started off like usual, running like a bat out of hell. So much so, the press was following the so-called leaders of the race when the official timer was like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're following the leaders of the race. And he went, literally, this is the quote, that Indian from Rhode Island just went through here five minutes ago. Like, you're following the wrong person. And he just burned up that course record. He's actually the youngest person leading the way since the new length of the course was now the 26 miles and 385 yards so that's what it is today it used to be shorter than that only about 24 miles which again you're like that's not a huge difference but it is when you have to run all that yes can vouch for that (laughs) after mile 20 (laughs) everything is a blur i just want to (laughs) die but this is where a very famous moment would happen at about 20 and a half miles in 
So at this point, he had started to slow down because, again, that's what he does. He does the full sprint. And I mean, we're talking like 20 miles he's been doing this. So he slows down to his jogging pace because he's also coming up towards this hill. And that's when defending champion and Boston Marathon legend John A. Kelly would approach. Kelly would, in his lifetime, run the Boston Marathon over 50 times and he would win only twice like that's how much like the competition is here like he's done this for so long he kind of became like a local boston legend in his own right as he started passing our boy tarzan he made a huge mistake reportedly thinking tarzan was tired out so as like a sign of encouragement and a sign of respect as he started to pass him he patted him either on the shoulder or on the butt i don't understand the butt thing i never understood that like I do that sometimes, but it's a flirty thing. Yeah. It's not like a sports thing. Apparently, Tarzan agrees with me because at that moment, they said it was like someone stuck a pin in him. He took off. And John almost caught him one more time, but basically Tarzan would win his first race in 1936. He won the Boston Marathon that year. Wait, is there a video of this? No, I mean, there's photos, but there's, and we will definitely post some. Yeah, yeah. But that section of the marathon ever since then has been known as Heartbreak I know it. I've been there. Right. it's It's in Newton, right? Yeah. So basically that section, I mean, it gets tough when you've run 20 and a half miles and all of a sudden you have this hill. Like normally it's not too bad, but again, you've run that distance so far. And the reason they called it that is because John Kelly's heart would be broken after he didn't win the marathon because that's where Tarzan took the lead again. That's so funny. I had no idea that was why it was called that. I always thought because of the pain. And also I thought it was because of the downhill on the shin splints because it hurts more when you're running. I didn't know that there was this whole backstory to it. There's a whole backstory to it. So if anybody's ever heard of Heartbreak Hill, that's because our boy Tarzan would break some hearts winning the the Boston Marathon. When my brother ran it years ago, we we had to like do a pass off of like one of his sports drinks, and I was I was right there, and I I will run it one day, Red. But now when I do, I will remember this because I had no clue. That's so cool, right? That's such a nerdy runner thing. I I love it. I know, but well, you know me, I have to nerd out a little bit. And and... I, as a runner, appreciate it because I'm going to run it. Damn it, I'm running this. Keep in mind, I do have runners in my family, so I do know oh, these right. things. <laughs> yes, it doesn't do. really mean the same to me as it does to them, but I've not heard this for so me. long. Oh, now I get so to hear and find the fun part of it, which is the historical part for me. That's so cool. Whoa. So he now won? The- He won that race. And the other reason the marathon is so important at this time was that this was also the way athletes were picked to participate in the Olympics. So guess what? I wonder. Our boy Tarzan was heading off to Germany. (laughs) Yes. Get it, Tarzan. Nice. What year is this? Uh Uh-oh. That's what I was about to bring up because... Uh Oh, this particular Olympics was being held in Berlin in 1936. Oh, is there anything happening at that time? No, I don't know. Is there a certain guy who happens to be hanging around in 1936? Not that I could think of. Nothing, nothing important. Jesus. Oh, my God. Bad timing. Talk about bad timing. Because what happened for people who may not know? Adolf Hitler was determined to prove the superiority of the Aryan race. So, yeah. 
This is a great time to be an indigenous person heading over to basically Nazi Central. So we do know now that Jesse Owens also was at these Olympics and he would destroy that idea of the superiority of the Aryan race, like that bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I love saying that this episode. <laughs> yeah, a lot of swearing, but rightfully so. Because it's bullshit. Anyways, it is um, bullshit. <laughs> Tarzan would almost join Jesse Owens in destroying that assumption. However, some people say that he pulled a muscle before the race and other people say he took a bath beforehand and that tired him out. However, I found another story that he had gotten into a fight with quote unquote some of Hitler's brown shirts and was oh. thrown in jail and warned that he better not win the marathon. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wait, what happened? Basically, he came out really strong just as he always had and he was in a close second, but something mm. was wrong so at 18 miles he quickly went over to the side of the course and sat on the grass apparently was trying to catch his breath and just attend to his leg and that's when a spectator who allegedly identified themselves as a nurse approached and either they did check his leg or all they did was ask if he was okay an official immediately came over and said he was disqualified because he received aid oh come on they didn't do anything tarzan later said i knew in my heart i could have won that race but given oh. the earlier treatment and knowing what the situation was there he didn't fight it and he didn't finish the race man I don't like I that ending. So he didn't meddle, but as though to prove he could have, if not for what happened, he once again participated in the Boston Marathon when he got home. <laughs> A common theme well, here. he did run it in 1938. However, I think he wanted to put on a bit of a show because by that point he had become a little bit of a fan favorite. And okay. it was an unseasonably warm day. So midway through the race, he apparently ran off the road, waved to the nearby spectators, and then jumped into Lake Cochituate for a swim. <laughs> Yeah, he literally jumped into a lake during the middle of the marathon. Oh my god. Was it hot or something? Just yeah, it was fun? apparently very warm. Uh, and he was like, okay. ah, I might as well. I've already been to the Olympics. I've already won this before. <laughs> so he didn't win that race, but his friend and fellow Rhode Islander, Les Pawson, actually won. And so Tarzan decided he would take the next Boston Marathon more seriously. You don't say. Well, here's uh -oh. the thing. What more oh, seriously no. means to some people is different. Then what I would say is Love taking something guy. more seriously. Because apparently, 40 minutes before the 1939 Boston Marathon, he was spotted eating half a dozen hot dogs. See Joey Chestnut going for the Nathan's Hot Dog Competition. Right. And then washed it down with either orange soda or a milkshake or both. What saying is he that doing? He forgot to eat breakfast that morning. That's your breakfast? Your <laughs> now, again, I am not a runner. But even I know that that is a bad idea. To Very do right bad. For any race. Just in life to do that. Just don't. Well, we say that, but Kelly. Oh boy. Not only did he win the Boston Marathon Stop. again, Stop. but that race, he was the first to break the two and a half hour record that was previously held <gasps> with a time of two hours, 28 minutes and 51 seconds. Stop. Stop. Shut up. No. He won. Apparently we need to eat more hot dogs. <laughs> oh my God. Do I have to not be a vegetarian anymore? Is that what I have to do? And then drink, what was it? Orange juice, did you say? Orange soda. Orange soda? <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure soda is even better. Did he like puke or he was just like feeling great? I mean, he must have been feeling great because I mean, with that yeah. kind of time, he flew. And it's just, again, this is 1939. You're not exactly getting the best trading. So hot dogs. 
hot dogs. All right, good to know. <laughs> That's I might have to do that to qualify for Boston. Yeah, he <laughs> shattered so many records that year. He was doing all kinds of races. And once again, he qualified for the Olympics that were going to be held in 1940 in Amsterdam. But his shot at redemption was never to be as those Olympics were canceled due to World War II. How dare so, they? Right? Don't they know that we have marathons to run? Come on now. We have things to do. Your pesky war is in the way. So <sighs> though he would continue racing until 1954, he would start slowing down. He Aww. continued working as a stonemason and also a shellfish fisherman. Say that three times fast. And also just doing odd jobs in Westerly. He would marry a Narragansett woman named Ethel Wilcox and have four children, Ellison Jr., a.k.a. Sonny, Norman, Marlene, and Ethel. So it sounds like two boys, two girls. And I cute. love the name Ethel. So Ethel's cute. so, so quaint. So I love Lucy. Now, again, these aren't the best of financial times through all this. And so he would actually sell off a lot of his medals and trophies to help support his family during difficult economic times. This year, in 2023, CBS News reported that his granddaughter is actually still trying to locate some of these trophies. If anyone has any information regarding some of the locations or if you own it or anything like that, please email tarzanbrownmarathon at gmail.com. They are just trying to locate where these trophies are. I'm not sure if they're trying to claim them back. I think it's just a matter of seeing them again. The last time they were seen were in the 80s when they were on a display at a library. And then wow. after that, they were apparently returned to the current owners at that time. Ever since then, they haven't been able to locate them. Again, huh. if you have any information, please reach out to the family. That would actually mean a lot to them. Because also, unfortunately, tragically, at the age of 61 in 1975, Allison Myers Tarzan Brown was killed outside a bar in Westerly, Rhode Island. What? Some say it was a case of the wrong place at the wrong time, while others say it was actually murder due to the driver of the car was a 26-year-old Connecticut man who was brought up on charges for this incident. Basically, Tarzan was struck by a van the man was driving, and he died from his injuries. Jesus. Was the guy drunk or just had a vendetta? That's the thing. There's constant discussion about that online because it seems as though there may have been an argument maybe there wasn't and he was just waiting for a ride so some people Aww. think it was just a horrible accident others say that it was deliberate but it's a horribly tragic end to such a legend but he does stay a legend before he died actually in 1968 he was inducted into the rhode island heritage hall of fame which includes very few native american inductees so it was like a huge honor to bring somebody in. And again, we're not even at the point where we're recognizing the Narragansetts as a federal tribe. So to be oh, right. honored by the state in that way is a pretty big deal. And wow. in 1973, he was actually inducted into the National Indian Athletic Hall of Fame as well. The wow. same year he died, the annual Tarzan Brown Mystic River Run in Connecticut was established in his memory. And just this year, in 2023, there's actually a three-mile loop trail in Charlestown, Rhode Island, that's close to the Narragansett Reservation that has been dedicated to his memory. So upon winning his first marathon and before heading off to the Olympics, when asked to say a few words when he came back to Rhode Island to a roaring ovation from the Rhode Island General Assembly, he said, I did it for Rhode Island. Fuck now, yeah. while he didn't receive the same accolades and success as his white counterparts, I think that for everything he did for his family, his tribe, his community, and his state makes him a legend that should never be forgotten. 
Fuck yeah. Alice, we love this for you. We love this for you, Tarzan Brown. Like, I just like, I feel so frustrated just that we don't hear more about people like this. And I mean, granted, I know Rhode Island's a small state, but like, people know about these things at like the Olympics and unfortunately the treatment he received. He did not have an easy life. I definitely glossed over a lot of that. The time, like the newspapers would be like, this is the first 100% American to win the Boston Marathon, which is... (sighs) It's a little gimmicky, but the thing is, you have to also understand, too, why this was such a big deal because of the fact that he didn't have a lot of privileges that a lot of people who, even at that time, were able to train for races because you kind of need to be able to afford to do those sort of things. And here he is instead trying when he can, but also working as a stonemason or as a fisherman or odd jobs. Like apparently there was a story where one winter somebody needed firewood. So he brought the wood inside his house and was chopping it in his house because it was too cold, but he wanted to be able to give firewood to other people. He's just one of these people that is such a character. Again, I'm never going to get over the hot dog thing. It's just- The hot dogs <laughs> and the jumping in the middle of the lake in the middle of the rain. What a character and what a life. And from such a young age to have this call to run from getting chased out of his house to half naked. Yeah. (laughs) And swinging from trees and all this other stuff. There seems like there was such a joy in what he was doing, even though things were not easy for anybody, really. I mean, in that community. And you go back and historically there's been so much that they've had to deal with and we kind of gloss over it at thanksgiving time being like well yeah we all just got together and had dinner and everything is fine and it's not quite like that (laughs) not at all it's conflicting do you feel like conflicted to celebrate it there's this now tarnished legacy of you know the pilgrims and the indians when really it was just like slaughtering everything left and right and i think all of them are in canada too like it's also become a conflict too because obviously there's been so many situations up in Canada where they did not treat the indigenous people right. There were (sighs) hundreds of bodies found of young children at these residential schools. I'm sure we're going to find some in the U.S. as well. I know it's one thing to say this as a white person because I will never fully grasp what it is to do that. But I mean, we should obviously do better. There's Mm -hmm. so much more we can be doing to support other communities. And yet, I don't know. I don't know how much two white ladies talking about this is going to make a difference. But at the same time, we should be talking about this, that more people hear it. So I don't know. I don't think people have heard of him, Ellison. You know, it's like he should be a bigger deal. But is it because of his background, his heritage that we haven't? Or is it just too, like, niche Or I don't know. You hear of bigger name runners, but I had never heard of him. So it's like, is it a chicken or the egg situation? Why haven't we heard of him before this? I know. And what a great story, too, though. Because, I mean, thank God for child labor laws. Because (laughs) 12-year-olds should not be running 20 miles and then working on a stonemason. Nobody (laughs) should be running 20 miles, let alone 26. 6.2. I'll I mean, tell you that. I agree with that. Uh, you will not oh, hear me disagreeing with that God. idea, but other runners are going to be like, oh. Yeah, exactly. And then people people are dumb. They run like 100 miles. They run ultra, ultra marathons. It's just dumb. Red, d- running is dumb. You're smart. Hey, you, you do I'm, cycle. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> You're like, a spinner. Uh, That's better. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm literally not going anywhere. The bike is stationary. So well, who's okay. really? <laughs> it's still good cardio and you're not a dumb idiot like me. <laughs> you are not a dumb idiot. And I don't yeah. think runners are. Although there was a funny quote, something about how he had like million dollar legs and a 10 cent brain because of some of the decisions <laughs> he made. I am not saying this. It, it was something that I saw as a quote. How, like yeah, he would character. just make these wild decisions and like, all right, I'm just going to sprint for as long as possible. And then... Also eat some hot dogs before the... I like, love that. And also, I think that must have pissed so many people off, not only because of racism, but also like they're seeing him do this and then win. Yeah, that's the thing. I had no... I just thought it was going to go south. And then you told me he won. I'm like, you're he kidding. He won. That can't be And again, true. he ran, I think, seven of the Boston Marathons. And you've got the other guy, John, who ran 50 times and won twice. So, I mean... Wow. There is... So much that goes into these, the training and the work and the effort that you go through to do this. And then when you've got the odds stacked against you and you can still do that well. Ugh, I mean, I love I that love for that. him. He's just I like, what a good, legend. Good story. Good like person, Red. I, I'm personally like, yeah. A little Rhode Island <laughs> history. Like, I like to bring it up because right? again, that's my little home state that I'll be leaving soon. But you know, I'll take stories like that with me. And no matter what happens, no matter what unexpected twists and turns happen, I'm just going to look to someone like Tarzan and be like, all right, I'm just going to keep going and maybe have a hot dog about it. <laughs> that should be your motto. Have a hot dog about it. Shout out to Kelly from Tuesday Tea. One of her favorite quotes was, we're all just getting hot dogs. And that was from 30 Rock. So I'm, I'm we're learning all getting all hot ties. dogs. <laughs> we're all getting hot dogs. I think it's all tying back to hot dogs, Red. <laughs> and I think, you know what? I bet she took that from Tarzan. She took it from Tarzan. <laughs> well, we're thankful for him and... And we're thankful for you, listeners. And keep the ratings and reviews and subscribings and all the things coming, please. We appreciate it. Yes, please do. We love to hear from you. So reach out to us. We have our email, our social, all of that. And yeah, let us know who else you'd like us to focus on. Maybe you have like a local hero or a local legend that you want us to spotlight we would love love to i mean you know you don't have to eat processed meat to get on this podcast like that's a thing despite (laughs) what it looks like you don't because i don't so (laughs) yeah this uh... this episode brought to you by hot dogs i know (laughs) i know red we're gonna get those ads i can't wait (laughs) that'll be our first sponsor yes that's what (laughs) i love hot dogs yeah (laughs) well with that we love that for you we love all of you guys and welcome to november and we're gonna have a really nice couple episodes and we look forward to whatever we have coming up next keep the train moving red we're 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 steadily getting a catalog going here we're gonna we're getting those ads red whether it kills us (laughs) i'm gonna call it now so you guys are getting ready for our ads you're gonna be so excited for us Yes, get ready for all those great (laughs) discount codes we're going to have for you guys. I'm manifesting it. Thanks, guys. Thank you all. (laughs) Thank you, Kelly, obviously, for just always doing this with me. This is always so fun. Thank you for being you. All right. Well, love you guys.
Thank you for joining us on I Love That For You. Our theme song is by Vaudeville and used with permission. Our cover art is by Jenny Lamb, edited to the best of our abilities by Kelly and Red. If you want us to spotlight someone, have questions, or just want to say hi, email us at ilovethatforyoupod at gmail.com or join us on Instagram at ilovethatforyoupod to join the love fest and see what else we get up to. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever else you listen. We appreciate all your love, and if you want to help support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us spread the love and reach more people. Thanks for listening. We love you.